You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling is Yellow Sports on Converge Media. We are back in studio. Yes, I know it's, gosh, I don't even know when the last time it was. It's been a while. It's been a while with, with scheduling and the Kraken being back, the Mariners into the season. Uh, probably by the end of the Mariners season was probably when we were last here, honestly. Shoot. So anyway, we're back. We're here in studio. The show continues to roll on. We've got four teams uh, who remain in regular season and in playoff action it's an even split actually between those four teams which is kind of cool but i digress we'll get right into it with our seattle seahawks who came into a game that some thought maybe should have been an easy one a runaway a blowout whatever have you however you want to describe it expand your vocabulary as much as you want um but it's a division rival these NFC West games, especially against the Arizona Cardinals, always seem to be a bit wild. And that was once again the case in the Seahawks. Week 7, uh, 20-10 win over the Arizona Cardinals. This one was a little bizarre. DK Metcalf missed the first game in his career as a Seattle Seahawk. So Seattle relied heavily on Jake Bobo to come in and fill in some of that missing aspect that DK brings. Tyler Lockett had a nice game as well. Um, in addition, you know, I talk about Bobo and the, the undrafted rookie that he is. Seattle's 20th overall pick in this past draft, Jackson Smith and Jigba, had a nice game as well. He scored his first NFL touchdown. But uh, when we look at it, uh, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself there. We won't talk about players of the game just yet. Uh, a little bit bizarre. The Seahawks defense continues to look good after building on that uh, loss last week to the Bengals, where they really did a solid job in the second half, shutting down the Bengals' passing attack. Uh, there's a lot of good components on that team, whether it's the secondary, uh, the linebackers are showing out. Jordan Brooks had a lot of great energy in this game and almost looked like Bobby Wagner, which is, I, I might be getting ahead of myself now, but... And it's what it looked like on the defensive line playing a factor as well. Boye Mafe, uh, right at the end of the half on uh, second down, he affected a pass from Josh Dobbs. And then on third down, he got the big sack to push them further out of field goal territory. And the Arizona Cardinals ended up not going for a field goal and coming up with zero points before the half on that possession. So uh, different aspects of the defense are clicking right now, but, We'll get to our offensive and defensive players of the games. Uh, I was getting ahead of myself, but we'll talk about it now. Jake Bobo is my player of the game on the offensive side of the football. Uh, could have gone with Jackson Smith and Jigba. He had more yards uh, receiving-wise. Uh, had the same amount of touchdowns with Bobo as one. But you see this photo here taken by photographer Dean Rutz. Uh, the excellent toe tap uh, on that uh, touchdown there in the second quarter was massive that was that was big uh it looked in real time as if he had just barely missed it but upon challenge from pete carroll pete carroll went two for two on challenges in this game both of them coming in the first half uh seattle would get that to count it was bobo's second career touchdown both of them have been toe tap touchdowns um 
And this, if it was fitting because it capped off a drive where Tyler Lockett had a bunch of catches uh, and Bobo said he wanted to be like Tyler uh, a few weeks ago. So uh, excellent, excellent performance by the rookie. He was the highest graded player for Seattle, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, so a massive game there. And then I talked about him a little bit earlier when I was talking about the game itself. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I went with Jordan Brooks. Brooks. You know, coming off of the ACL injury, there were questions. Is he going to be able to be at the same level or is he going to be able to be better considering how early in his career that he is? Uh, what's he going to look like? Is he going to have rust? Um, a lot of questions surrounding him considering that his contract is uh, coming to an end here. And he's been electric this season, especially considering that he's coming off of a short recovery from that ACL injury. In this game, nine total tackles, six solo tackles, half a sack in this one, two tackles for loss, one pass deflection, and one quarterback hit. So he continues to look good uh, alongside Bobby Wagner. What a dream combo it is to have them back in the middle of that defense. Uh, Inactives, I mentioned DK missing that game. Uh, linebacker Devin Bush was a healthy scratch in this one. DK was out. Cornerback uh, Artie Burns. The team was without running back Zach Charbonnet. Uh, as a result, Kenneth Walker III took every carry for Seattle in this game. Uh, he had a solid game. He had a 100-yard rushing performance in this one. Uh, and he was be, he was able to show off that jump cut ability in addition to running guys over, uh, which makes him such a fun back to have, such an agile runner of the football, but also a guy who's going to run in your face. Uh, offensive guard Phil Haynes. Was not able to go. He's been one of your starters. And center Evan Brown also not able to go. Uh, so you're missing two starters once again on this line. You're already without Abraham Lucas uh, at the right tackle position. So at the center position, at least, it was the draft pick Ulu Oluwatimi out of Michigan who came in and played a decent game. Uh, and then the last inactive, as you can see on your screen, offensive tackle Raekwon O'Neal. Uh, the only injury to report out of this game, thankfully, obviously, <laughs> some of these games and especially early on in the season, we've had different injuries stack up, uh, let alone the Seahawks, as well as across the NFL. The only notable one and the only one that Pete Carroll would mention was that linebacker Uchenna Nuosu left the game with a pectoral uh, injury. He was questionable to return to this game. He never did. Uh, the Yeah, so... He didn't return, which isn't necessarily the best news, but considering where this game was and Seattle had control of it for most to all of that second half, uh, probably best to just sit him. Uh, so we should hear more of that throughout the course of the week here. Um, hopefully it's better news than not, just considering where Seattle is injury-wise and how many guys that they have banged up uh, in terms of starter quality. So, I mean, this is a game that, again, whether it was betting odds or the media had as a blowout, just considering Arizona's record and the talent on that roster. Uh, but the divisional games are always tough in the NFC West, you know, whether it's when the Rams were bad, when the Cardinals were bad, those are always going to be tough. Um, also the fact that <laughs> these games between Seattle and Arizona always kind of end up being funky. Obviously the six to six tie a few years ago down in Arizona comes to mind. So, you know, it, you had to do your best to ensure that this wasn't a trap game of any sort and you needed to bounce back after that tough, tight loss against the Cincinnati Bengals on the road. You're able to do that. Uh, and you're able to stay mostly, knock on wood, uh, healthy, which is good. So you're trying to get some of those guys back. Phil Haynes and Evan Brown were sort of 
questionable if they were going to be good to go. They ended up not being able to. And again, your offensive line depth continues to step in, which is so big. Um, talking about depth and that of the sort, we get to team-related news. There's only some roster moves this past week, nothing big. Jason Peters was practicing as a guard in this week uh, leading into the game. He did not get any of the game action that we were able to see. Uh, on October 18th, uh, the team signed wide receiver Cody Thompson off the practice squad. In addition to that, they signed wide receiver Cody White and offensive tackle Greg Island to the practice squad as a corresponding move. Quarterback Colton Allers uh, was released from the practice squad to make room. Three days later, preparing for this game, uh, the team signed center Joey Hunt off the practice squad. So an old familiar face, someone who did start games for Seattle at a center a few years ago. Uh was called up with the uncertainty of Evan Brown being able to go. Another Brown was signed. Offensive guard Ben Brown uh, was waived. Well, it wasn't signed. He was waived as a corresponding move. Uh, and then two players were elevated off the practice squad ahead of this game against the Cardinals. Wide receiver Aesop Winston, who got two snaps in this game, and running back uh, Sir Roderick Thompson. So it, the biggest thing for this Seattle team going forward, of course, is going to be health. You know, you get that offensive line back to where it should be. And it's, it's going to be hard to go against this Seattle Seahawks team, whether it's running the football or getting Geno Smith time to pass. Uh, Uchenna Nuosu, your arguable best pass rusher. You need to hear back from that, hopefully sooner rather than later. But with this matchup coming up against Cleveland is going to be really interesting because I'm not so much worried about how your defense is going to be able to perform. They've been showing up great the last two weeks against two offenses that excuse me, are very different uh, on several levels, whether it be talent-wise uh, or experience-wise. But you look at um, the defensive side of things for your opponent here, and Miles Garrett in Cleveland are coming into town. Um, and maybe not so much the rest of Cleveland defense. They do have some solid players, whether it be Denzel Ward in the secondary. Uh, Miles Garrett is the number one guy that I'm worried about uh, causing havoc along this offensive line, depending on how many guys are healthy. Even one healthy, he would have been. A, he's going to be a problem. So uh, that's going to be a big factor. That is the next game. That is Week Eight, October 29th versus the Cleveland Browns here at Lumen Field. This is a 1:05 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. This is on Fox. Uh, the Seahawks will be wearing their 1990s themed throwback jerseys for this one. The lone time this season they're doing so. Um, Cleveland quarterback Deshaun Watson did not finish the last game, but should be fine for this contest, uh, depending how the week of practice goes. Uh, and again, Miles Garrett is a huge factor to watch in this game, uh, even if Seattle's offensive line is totally healthy, which is unlikely, considering that uh, reports from Pete Carroll said that Abraham Lucas is unsure going into this game. Uh, Miles Garrett is going to be someone that Seattle is going to heavily heavily game plan against uh, going into this week eight matchup. We move over now to the Sounders and we've got much, much more clearance when it comes to the Sounders and what's going to be happening for them in the playoffs. Uh, it was decision day this past week. You're playing St. Louis who had already locked up the top seed in the Western conference and it was all to play for for Seattle. St. Louis arguably didn't need to play for anything unless they wanted to knock Seattle down uh, in the seating. Uh, it was just up for the Sounders to either go all the way up, possibly to the second spot, um, 
or they could fall as low as four, I think, if unless they lost and a bunch of other things happened. So fortunately, that didn't happen. And Seattle comes out with a two to nothing victory. Uh, this was kind of a statement win for the Sounders to come out and make this sort of uh, effort shown on decision day, securing home field advantage, securing the second seed as LAFC was not able to get a win. So the Sounders uh, lock up that two seed. And if they face someone else in the playoffs, unless it's St. Louis, they're going to be hosting at Lumen Field. Uh, we are in the MLS's new playoff format where the rounds are three round, three playoff games each. So that'll be interesting. But looking at this match, our player of the match, midfielder Christian Roldan. Roldan, the, the impact of the former Husky cannot be overstated. Just what he does when he's in this lineup for Seattle, how Seattle looks when he's in this lineup is night and day when he's in it and when he's out it, uh, when he's out of it. Um, in this match though, an 8.0 match rating, one assist, three shots, only a 59% passing percentage, which isn't the greatest, but the big factor here is three chances created help causing trouble against one of the best keepers in the entire league in Roman Berkey. Um, Seattle, obviously, they didn't allow a goal in this one. So Stefan Fry uh, helps make some history of a club record with 14 clean sheets on the year. Massive there. That also credit to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, another big aspect of this game that the injury report was the cleanest that it's been probably all season. So, I mean, you look at it this way, you know, Seattle in their past five matches has not lost in those past five matches. Uh, this is just going back to the five. We could go back seven or eight, uh, and you could see there. But in those past five matches, they recorded a point in all of them. They won three of those past five matches. They just beat the top seed in the Western Conference. They look fully healthy. Um, good teams and teams that tend to go deep, knock on wood, in the playoffs uh, get hot at the right moment, and they get a little bit lucky, and they get healthy at the right moment. Again, knock on wood. So... I'm not going to say anything in that regard, but it's it's remarkable to see just how frustrating the season was for the Sounders on multiple levels, not because of their play, particularly largely their play, uh, but how good they were from the beginning of the season to May in terms of offensive production uh, and results. And then from May until this late part of the season, how mediocre it was like draw, draw, draw failing to uh, convert on the opportunities. You led the league and expected goals for the longest period of time. Um, and then this end of the season where it seems like you're kind of getting things figured out again, you're the sounders and you're, you're annoying the rest of the league because you're getting hot at the right time heading into the playoffs. Uh, and you're going to host once again. So it's going to be big uh, to be able to host also sort of in terms of that, the big related news, it's going to be uh, motivating in this factor as well, Nico Ladero confirmed after the match against St. Louis that he has played his final regular season match with the Sounders. Uh, and in an exclusive interview with Sounder at Heart uh, said that he will not be back with Seattle next season. So one of the best signings in MLS history, one of the most influential players uh, in Sounders club history, will not be back with the club next year. Um there was a last regular season match uh, against Vancouver where he kind of seemed to applaud the fans a little extra, was emotional about it. He didn't say anything in particular at that moment, 
but it all but seemed that this that was his last home regular season match with Seattle. And now Nico confirms this is his last ride with the Sounders. Um, so I'm sure he's going to want to go out on the right note uh, and his teammates would like to put him out on the right note as well. Just just kind of to go back to this game, I know we usually don't go back to talking about the game once we get into the team-related notes, but the defensive side of the ball looked good. That back four was solid. Reed Baker-Whiting looked excellent uh, starting in this match over Nuhu, who had to come back after some complications over with the Cameroon national team in Russia. Um, he looked excellent. So, you know, we talked about it last week with Reed Baker-Whiting staying after that U.S. youth national team call-up uh, and why he was so important to this club. Performances like that, like this past week against St. Louis, are why it was important for him to stay. Uh, you look at the midfield. Zhao Paulo should win the MLS Most Improved Player uh, Award after missing a lot of last season with an injury. You know, the attack up top... Uh, up top could be better, arguably, but I mean, two goals against the best keeper, arguably in the league, maybe besides Stefan Fry, um, is solid. And Raul Ruiz Diaz has been training lately. Uh, he did not get into this game. He was on a bench available for selection. Uh, you get a guy like that who can be a total X factor for you. Again, not going to say anything, but hmm. so anyway, uh, we found out the opponent. As decision day ended, the Sounders end with a 14 win, 9 draw, 11 loss record. Wait, no. It's win, loss, draw. I'm talking about how MLS website sets it up. We'll go backward. Win, loss, draw. 14 wins, 9 losses, 11 draws. There you go. Could have been higher. Uh, 53 points on the season. Seattle finishes 7th in Supporter Shield standing. That matters depending on who they would play if they were to reach MLS Cup, depending on if they will host or not. Again, got to get there first. Uh, second in the Western Conference, as I mentioned, uh, their next few matches is going to take some time. It won't be until next week, uh, later in the day, actually, when we do our next episode. Um, Monday, October 30th versus FC Dallas at a kickoff time of 6 p.m. Pacific time is the first of potentially three matches. The third match is only necessary uh, if we get through these two first ones uh, tied. Now, uh, to note, these MLS Cup playoff matches don't go into extra time uh, if it's tied at the end of it. There's no ties in this as well. If we are tied at the end of regulation, we go straight to penalty kicks, which is already stressful in and of its own. So game one here in Seattle, Monday, October 30th versus FC Dallas, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Then game two on the road at Toyota Stadium at FC Dallas, Saturday, November 4th at a 6 p.m. kickoff as well. If for some unfortunate reason we have to go to game three, that would be back here in Seattle Friday, November 10th versus FC Dallas with a 7 p.m. Uh, kickoff time. Again, that's only if necessary. Again, I will state it, if these matches are draws at the end of regulation, we have to go straight to penalty kicks, which is very, very, uh, how do I say this without being, yeah, it's very, very stressful uh, on its own. So talk about stressful, and I mean, this could qualify in that. It is technically early, but after this past week of games, it's a little bit worrying. Uh, we'll go straight into our Kraken section here, but... Before we get into the past week of games, uh, 
my buddy Everett, Everett Fitzhugh, the Seattle Kraken radio voice, uh, was able to stop by with me before the home opener, which we'll talk about first when we get through this, um, about this team, about a, a certain player or so, uh, the upcoming prospects and more. So we'll go to that uh, right now. Here at Climate Pledge Arena with my good buddy, the voice of Seattle Kraken, Everett Fitzhugh. Everett, you're not worried about this team despite going winless on the opening road trip. Yeah. Why is that, and what positive signs do you see early on with this team? I mean, a multitude of reasons. I think for me, number one, the goaltending has been solid. You know, this team has not allowed a ton of goals in the opening road trip, and I think when you can get solid performances from both your starter and your backup goaltender, I think it bodes well. Also, you're playing in three consecutive home openers. Vegas, they raise a banner. Nashville barely missed the playoffs. They're fired up. And then St. Louis, again, they were coming off of a heartbreaking shootout loss in Dallas. So now they're coming back home. So you're in a bunch of, uh, of really hostile environments. So I think for me, I'm not worried. This team is, is still intact from last season. You bring back that core, Matty Beneers, Jordan Eberle, Jared McCann, Andre Burakovsky is back on defense, Adam Larson, Vince Dunn with a big contract. There are so many positives, I think, surrounding this team. And, you know, we remember the NFL when they had four preseason games, right? And you play your third game, that's when all your starters get in the game. Well, in hockey, it's only that way for your final preseason game. So for the Kraken, they had one opportunity to get that chemistry together to build that cohesion. And we saw evidence of the lack of that in the opening road trip. But now I think they're getting back on their footing. You're starting to see this team where they were last year and the habits that they formed last season. You're starting to see those come in right now. Talking about some of the newer guys, you mentioned yeah. these guys kind of get that last game. It's not a lot of time to necessarily yeah. generate a ton of chemistry. We've got our first state of Washington-born yeah. native in Kyler Yamamoto. What have you seen from him? What should people know about the former Oiler? An endless motor. I mean, this guy knows how to skate. He's very skilled. Don't let the size fool you, right? He is a player uh, that can do a lot of good things with the puck. And I think for him to be out of Edmonton, to come here to Seattle, Anytime you're playing with the likes of a Connor McDavid, a Leon Dreisaitl, uh, an Evander Kane, these world-class players that we've been seeing in the NHL, you know, that's a lot of pressure to be on that top line. But now you're finding him in more of that bottom six role, which is not a bad thing. You know, you can tell that he's he's thriving in that role. He's comfortable in that role. Um, and, and you're already seeing the way that he carries himself on the ice suits his game. So he's fitting in well to this locker room. And I think for him, I mean, Kyler Yamamoto, I think, is going to end up being a really good piece to replace a lot of that depth that was lost last season. And then kind of changing, I guess, everyone's favorite deep pair. Yeah. Adam Larson, Vince Dunn. The law firm, Dunn Larson. <laughs> How, I mean, they've been so important to yeah. this team the last two years. I know in year one, they kind of formed at the end. How important is that to have kind of one specific group that you need those guys out there yeah. all the time and what they both bring because they've talked about at length yeah. how important they are to each other and that bond that they have. Well, and I think it's it's special too because not only are they are they close on the ice, they're close off the ice. Their their stalls are together in the locker room. They sit next to each other on the bus. They're eating meals together. They hang out here in Seattle, going to movies and grabbing dinner stuff like that. So not only are they are they teammates, but but they've become friends. They've developed this really good relationship. And I think for a guy like Vince Dunn, who was always known for his 
offensive capabilities. Adam Larson has brought out the defensive side in Vince Dunn. And I think we've really seen a more mature game out of him. Adam Larson, starting off at Edmonton, he went to the Devils. He's been, uh, uh, or he started with the Devils rather than went to Edmonton. Um, you know, he's been in the Stanley Cup final before with the, uh, the Devils in his first NHL season. So he, he knows what it takes to get there. Vince Dunn winning a Stanley Cup with uh, the St. Louis Blues, along with Jaden Schwartz as well, uh, a couple of years ago. So these are players that know what it takes to get to that level, what it takes to get it done. But I think for Vince Dunn and for Adam Larson, this is a pair that can be top 15 teams in the league, or you know, they, it can be one of those top defensive pairs in the NHL. So I think for those two, it's all about continuing to do what has made them successful so far. Obviously, the, the prospect pool for this team is, is yeah. small compared to the rest of the league. Yep. But there's a lot of talent in Coachella oh, yeah. Valley and in the draft picks that they've made. What can you say about what you've seen? Because obviously we had Dev Camp yep. here, we had Rookie Camp, and that, that Coachella Valley team, they lost their home opener, but yep. they should be a really fun team to watch over the course of the year. And a lot of those guys could be ready to come up here yep. at a moment's notice. Well, and that's the thing, too. That is what Ron Francis was trying so hard to do when you're building this team. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you need to develop from the minor league system. Unlike the NBA, unlike football, you you have that pipeline. You have to develop from the ground up, from your minor league system up. Think Seattle Mariners, right? We're seeing some of these, these uh, Mariners players coming out of Tacoma, coming out of double-A baseball over the past few years because of that development. Well, we're getting that here in Seattle as well. Coachella last year in their first year, they make it all the way uh, to, to the final game of the Calder Cup championship, double overtime, and they lose to her. I know, I know, they lose to Hershey, but so close, so close. So close. So close. But you've got the reigning uh, AHO uh, Rookie of the Year, Ty Karche, who's now up here. But you've got so many players down there that are capable that can fill in uh, at the NHL level, but that can also perform well and admirably at the American League level as well. And then just to wrap up, I've been here in Seattle for yep. three years now. From your experience, what can you say about this city's fan base yep. and how much they've accepted this team and grown to love it? Oh, the fan base here is awesome. I tell the story all the time. I grew up in Detroit. Late 90s, the Red Wings were winning back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. In my lifetime growing up, the Red Wings made 26 consecutive trips to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Playoff hockey was expected where I come from. Three years here in Seattle, I'm seeing that same passion from our fan base. I'm feeling that same energy that I felt in June of 97 and 98 when the Red Wings were playing Philadelphia and Washington for the Cup. And I think that's something to be said about the passionate fans we have here in Seattle, about the sports culture that we have here in Seattle. This town is becoming a hockey town. And I think that playoff run last season really helped establish Seattle as a hockey town, as an NHL market, and it's only going to get bigger. So our fans have been great. I've loved the support. It's been awesome to see. And I want to see more decals and jerseys and hats and sweatshirts all around town. And this already is getting a reputation around the league of having some of the best fans and being one of the best markets we have in the NHL. That'll do it from Chuck and Everett here at Climate Pledge Arena. And I'll even do a finger guns from my butt Everett. So that was fun to do. Always good to see Everett. Always good to chat, obviously, if you remember goodness last year it was Everett and I uh, did our interview here in the Black Media Matter studio right over at the wall over there uh, so anyway we'll get into it uh, with the Kraken segment just talked about it there with the home opener uh, the home opener did not uh, lead to a happy result it wasn't Seattle's first win of the season uh, the Kraken fall to the Colorado Avalanche 
by a score of one to four. Our player of the game forward Kyler Yamamoto, one goal, two shots, and one block. Celebrating that goal, as you can see here in this photo by Matthew Bermudez, becomes the first Washington-born player to score for the Kraken, just in a loss, unfortunately. Uh, Yamamoto scores in the first period, and the Avalanche go on to score the next four goals. Seattle unable to answer. Uh, those offensive struggles continue. Uh, the power play continues to struggle just just hard. And much of the same, a lot of uh, uh, from the first few games there, a nice, strong first period, and then everything kind of deteriorates throughout the way. That wasn't the case in game two of this homestand, three-game homestand, uh, as the Kraken were able to pull away from the Carolina Hurricanes. Now you see the, seven, the score of seven to four. You say pull away. Yes. Um, Seattle was able to build a four-goal lead. Uh, well, no, a four-to-one lead. I apologize. Chasing starting goaltender Antti Ranta out of this game after Vince Dunn's power play goal. But uh, backup goaltender, the young Piotr, Kochetkov uh, was able to keep the Carolina Hurricanes in this game. They were able to bring it really close and tight. It was a one-goal difference late uh, before Seattle added three goals in the third period and was able to pull away uh, and ensure that they would get their first win of the season. One of those goals here scored by four Jared McCann on Kochetkov, uh, taking uh, our photo of the game here by Liz Walter. Uh, our player of the game, defenseman Vince Dunn. Dunn, one goal, two assists, three points, a three plus minus, four shots, one block, and one takeaway in this big win against the Hurricane too. Uh, for most of this offseason, and while it's still early, uh, you know, that might have gone down, uh, I've been a Stanley Cup favorite, uh, a team that many think can go all the way this year. Very talented roster. They were banged up going into this game, uh, but Seattle has been arguably as well. Uh, the third and final game of the home stand, you think, okay, maybe they're going to be able to take that big win against the Hurricanes and make it, uh, you know, something that they can build off of. That wasn't the case. Seattle will lose on October 21st versus the New York Rangers, one to four. Same score as the game against the Avalanche and same sort of result as that game against Colorado in the home opener. Just a really tough one in this one. Uh, it's very bizarre, very bizarre. Uh, in the pregame video that the team does, two lights in the southwest section of the stadium stayed on when they were supposed to stay off. And then when the game was about to start, those lights turned off and never turned back on. Uh, as a result, one end of the rink was darker than the other. Uh, the south side of the rink, which is a little odd to see, it was noticeably darker. Both teams decided to play through it. There were reportedly serious discussions of that game being postponed, but they consulted both goalies and decided to go through with it. Uh, through all three of those intermissions, at the halfway mark, the team switched so that there was no unfair advantage in this one. Uh, and it seemed like things were going to go good, as you can see in this first photo in this photo of the game by Sage Cepeto. Uh, the first goal of the night was scored by our player of the game, defenseman Justin Schultz. One goal, one point, one shot in the first period. Uh, after that, it was all Rangers. Seattle looked, they got beat physically. Um, they weren't able to do anything in their defensive zone. They weren't able to get the puck out. Really, it was sloppy. They had turnovers, the offensive side of things. They didn't generate much. And when they did, Jonathan Quick was more than, more than willing, more than able to shut it down. So really frustrating past week uh, in regards to the two losses that this team took. Obviously, that win against Carolina was big, but 
you know, these two losses, really frustrating. We go over to our player of the week. I went with Vince Dunn, just considering uh, the points that he's been racking up over the past three games. You can see one goal, three assists, four points, and a two plus minus in that photo by Liz Walter. Uh, early on, I haven't panicked. You know, I, I thought that they weren't that far off. Uh, even going into, even after that Colorado game, I still thought they weren't that far off. You know, the penalty kill looked good. The goaltending was there, despite what some fans who might not watch the whole game will say to you, you know, defensively, they had a couple lapses, but outside of that, uh, they were good at denying entry, denying chances. Uh, it was just kind of offensively on and on the power play that they struggled. It looked like, Seattle had kind of punched through and was able to get things going after that big win against the Hurricanes. And then you fall back to earth and a little bit lower than that in that loss to the Rangers. You know, the defensive lapses, you know, missing assignments, leaving guys wide open, leaving your goaltenders out to dry simply just can't continue to happen. Um you know, because if that happens, it's eventually going to snowball to where the other performances uh, from your different aspects of your game are going to worsen. You know, uh, the first period looked good for Seattle. They were getting shots on the net, uh, especially considering the way that things were dark. You should have just kind of been flinging things on net at quick. And they weren't really doing that. They were almost too selective with their shots. Um, the power play, 0 for 3 that night after going 2 for 4 the night before. I mean, two nights before. Um, you just you also got really bullied uh, on the physical side of things, and it resulted in one of your players getting injured. So we'll go to that after we get another piece of uh, team news out of the way. Obviously, we already talked about Brandon Tanev being injured. On the 20th, the team officially placed him on injured reserve. It does open up a roster spot for another call-up from Coachella Valley if the team chooses to do so. What will probably lead to them Making a call up is this next piece of news, though. In that loss to the Rangers, um, defensive, uh, defenseman and captain of the Rangers, Jacob Truba, uh, boarded Andre Burakovsky, and Burakovsky suffered an upper body injury, keeping him out of action for six to eight weeks. Uh, he did have successful surgery, as announced by the team. They wouldn't say what it was, as is the case with hockey. If you're new here, uh, hockey doesn't ever really tell you what it is that's injured uh, until maybe the off season. So it's either upper body or lower body. If we're talking upper body, it could be your head. You could have a concussion. It could also be you have a torn pectoral muscle. You could also have your finger chopped off. If it's lower body, your foot could be broken. It could also be a hamstring strain. So that's how it is with hockey. If you're new, we'll catch you up there. Um, yeah, this is a big loss. You're already without Brandon Tanev, uh, someone who is a big aspect of that fourth line, uh, the penalty kill, and the activity of this team, kind of the heartbeat in some ways. They lose Andre Burakovsky, who missed most of last year, missed that playoff run. If they have him for that playoff run, he's, they're probably going deeper into the playoffs. Um, and now you'll lose him early on in the season after you've only won one of your first six games. So the hits continue to roll for Seattle. Um, as a corresponding move to that uh, Brandon Tenev injury, they did call up a day before they placed him on injured reserve. They called up forward uh, Devin Shore from AHL Coachella Valley. Uh, he has not gotten any game action. He has been in practices. He has been uh, in those warm-up skates. He has not, though, uh, gotten any game action. So... I'd say 
it's almost time to panic. It is almost time to panic. And the road trip that you're going to go on next isn't going to be an easy one. You're going to play a Detroit team uh, that's been pretty solid early on. Uh, and then you go into the Florida gauntlet with the Hurricanes, who are probably not happy with the fact that you hung seven goals on them. And you're going to go play them in their place. You're going to play the team that was the Stanley Cup runner-up in the Florida Panthers, and then the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, who just a few years ago won their second Stanley Cup. Uh, well, second Stanley Cup in a matter of a few years. So it's a big test. It's going to be a really big test for this team. Uh, but again, you know, they had done a bunch right early on it's not too far-fetched to think that they do the same right things and tweak aspects of their game but we'll see so speaking of those next few games starts tomorrow october 24th at the detroit red wings a 515 puck drop yes 515 at detroit detroit coming off of uh you know a really nice start to the season uh they'll play a seattle team that is really in need of a bounce back really in need uh, of a way to get things back on track. Then after that Detroit game, two days later on the road, October 26th at the Carolina Hurricanes, this is a 4 p.m. Pacific time tip off. I mean, pick uh, puck drop uh, against a Carolina team again that is really looking to set things right after this seven to four game that Seattle won to close out this upcoming week, October 28th at the Florida Panthers is a 3 PM Pacific time puck drop. I'm realizing that I said Carolina and Florida. It's not the same. I apologize. Um, October 28th at the Panthers is a 3 PM puck drop. And again, that's a team that's coming off of being the runners up uh, for the Stanley cup this past season. So none of those games should be easy. And especially considering the way that Seattle has made these games that they've played already, harder on themselves. So we move over now to our OL Reign who are in the playoffs. So we go from a team that's regular season playoffs, regular season playoffs. Pretty cool. Um, who hosted uh, the NWSL quarterfinal match uh, coming into this match. The rain had not won a playoff game since 2015. Do you remember what you were doing in 2015? Uh, I was in my second year of high school. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. I have since graduated college. So it's it's been a little bit. Um, October 20th versus Angel City FC, a one to nothing win. The first half was ugly. The first half was ugly. Uh, Angel City came inches away from a first goal twice. Uh, there was a sequence where um, I believe they hit the post and then it was a goal line clearance that was able to keep things out. Um in the second half, though, the rain very much able to get into their press a little bit better, uh, make those adjustments, and dominate the second half. Ultimately, it was a deciding goal that put them ahead. Veronica Ladsko scored on a header, uh, and the rain went heavily defensively after that and locked things up. Again, as I talked about last week on the show, Angel City was not going to be an easy out whatsoever. They've got a lot of talent. They had Alyssa Thompson coming off the bench, June Endo coming off the bench, former Rain player Jasmine Spencer coming off the bench um, in this match. All of those actual substitutions. I'm not just listing their bench. Um, and the Rain were still able to hold the clean sheet here. Massive, a crowd of 12,000 plus in attendance for this one. If, again, if you're a friend of mine or if you're a person saying that you were going to get out to a Rain match and you did not go to this one, I am ashamed of you. I'm sorry. Um, this is big. This is big for them to get that first playoff win since 2015. The season continues not only for the rain, but obviously for Megan Rapinoe's career. Um, and they're off 
to play a second consecutive California team. But we'll get to our player of the match. Uh, we'll go through a few photos as I quickly stop over here. Our first, uh, obviously, player of the match, Veronica Latsko, an 8.0 match rating, one goal, which is the match winner, which you can see celebrated here in this photo by Liz Walter. Two shots and one pass into the final third. Uh, we'll talk about Latsko in a minute. I don't want to lead into it too much, but this excellent photo. And then another photo, as this was the last home match confirmed that Megan Rapino will ever play um, in her playing career uh, at Lumen Field there, taken by Rio Giancarlo. I know that there, if you listen to the press conference, someone thought that they're, they, the way they worded it left open the possibility that it'd be another home match. There's not. The semifinal happens in San Diego, and then the title match, no matter who wins, is played in San Diego. So this was confirmed the last regular. I just wish people knew what they were talking about, man. Anyway, um, I mean, Veronica Lasko. We'll talk about other aspects of this game, but Veronica Lasko, if you don't know, now you should know. Uh, she's a forward. She signed for this club a few seasons ago and she's just on everything that's asked of her i said it on my personal twitter just a a grinder whether it's you know playing a forward coming off the bench starting not playing at all uh they've asked her to play outside back uh with this past world cup because of the internationals that left uh just doing always what she's asked and more being just a positive influence on this club a positive member of the locker room um her work ethic has been talked about at length from Coach Laura Harvey to teammates such as Megan Rapino uh, at the press conference in this match. So there, you can't say enough about Veronica Lasko. So for her to be able to score the game winner and kind of get the spoils of that work, excellent, excellent. The defensive effort, once again, was excellent outside of that early on uh, kind of mayhap where there was the post that was hit. And then the goal line clearance, the back line did an excellent job. Um, and goaltender, goaltender. See, I go from hockey to soccer, and, and I want to say goaltender, goalkeeper. It's very different. Uh, goalkeeper Claudia Dickey looked strong in this one throughout the entirety of the match, continues to look comfortable, which, again, as I talked about last week, is going to be big throughout the course of this playoffs. So all around the strong effort, Rose Lavelle was able to get back into this game the first time since early September. Um, so talk about teams getting hot going into the playoffs. Knock on wood. Just saying, just saying. The injury report versus uh, Angel City here was clean. So again, like I said with the Sounders, I don't remember the last time the injury report was clean for the, the rain, whether it was actual injuries or national team duty. So it's a little bit odd. Uh, the rain will go into the end of it. has a international window here. Some internationals will go away. Best thing here is hoping that none of them, you know, suffer anything at all. Knock on wood again. Um, and they will come back to the club and get ready for their next match. But we do have some injury related news from this match for Jordan Heidema did leave the match after taking a hard foul. Uh, in the post-game presser, I asked Coach Harvey if she had an update to provide. She did say that the injury isn't as bad as really thought. We haven't gotten any sort of clear indication. We'll find out likely tomorrow when we go to training uh, down at Starfire. So another big match uh, for the rain here. I mean, the dramatics are on. The dramatics are on. Like the Sounders, for the longest period of time with this club, it was a struggle to see results, to see goals, to see chances converted, um, and to see them play to their true potential. Right. Um, and we saw a little bit of that defensively here, a big goal from one of the grinders of this team. 
So that was nice to see. On the other end of things in the playoffs, uh, we'll have some league news. Uh, New York, New Jersey, Gotham beat North Carolina Courage. Uh, they did so on the road, too. So good for Gotham to advance to the quarterfinal versus Portland. So if, knock on wood, if the Rain are able to win this semifinal, something they haven't been able to do in, in several years, I think since their first three years of existence, um, they would play the winner of North Carolina, I mean, of Gotham or Portland. Either way, there are storylines in that match, whether it would be final game of their careers, Megan Rapino, Ali Krieger, or Seattle versus Portland in a title match. Got to get there first. Got to get there first. It all starts in the semifinal, which is November 5th. Yes, November 5th. There is an international window, so there will be some time. November 5th at San Diego Wave FC. The playoffs see the rain take on the two California expansion teams. Uh, that one will be played with a 640 kickoff. San Diego has not at all been an easy club to go against this year. They won the NWSL Shield, something the Rain won last season. Uh, and as I mentioned, with them being an expansion team and such, uh, San Diego is only in their second year of existence. So they've got a lot of talent there. Well, there's Alex Morgan up top, Laramie Gurma in the back. This game will be on both of these matches in the semifinal. It will be um, on CBS Sports Network. So big one there for the Rain semifinal something they haven't won a semifinal match in quite some time so that's actually a good segue as we go into our star of the week and because of the performance because of the grind because of the effort i went with veronica latsko again she's been someone who's done everything that's been asked of her has been such a great great aspect of the locker room for this club it's been talked about at length about the worker that she is the grinder that she is and we've seen that too it's not just someone's talking about it we've seen the action behind it um playing as an outside back getting starts as she has the last few matches uh coming off the bench when they need her to playing outside back not playing at all veronica latsko has done everything that's asked of her players like this help form championship teams and championship locker rooms. You have to become a championship locker room before you can win the championship itself. And Veronica Latsko is the type of player that helps make that happen. As again, you know, I've been doing earlier, knock on wood, mentioning the word championship all the time. Uh, I don't want to jinx anything, but you know, you see that sort of aspect from clubs that go on to win trophies. So Felt good to be back in the studio. That'll wrap up uh, this week's episode of Circling Sales Sports on Converge Media. By the time we see you next week, it'll be the end of the month of October and the next day will be Halloween. So if you're getting dressed up, all power to you. I've never been good at dress up. I apologize. So until we see you next week, you know, it's we're getting into this odd cold time of the year. A few days ago, it was hot and I didn't have to worry about wearing extra layers. This morning, it was cold. And I were, wondered why I didn't have that third layer on that I had brought with me. So until I see you next week, take care of yourselves, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents.
Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.